Well, good morning, Calvary family. How many of you know what today is? It's what well, Sunday. We got that one. That's good. It's Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. Oh, that's right. We can celebrate that. And so that's what we're talking about today uh, as we get into the, today's message. But before we do that, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, a few weeks ago, we, we mentioned that we're going to be taking a missions trip, that Pastor Yvonne is going to be leading a missions trip to Hot Springs, Arkansas, to go work with Compact Family Services. And if you are interested in being a part of that, there's a sign-up out at the table, or I'm sorry, out the, the uh, information desk in the foyer. The estimated cost is $1,100. they got a meeting coming up very soon. Uh, actually, I think it's this week, to talk about the trip. And so if you're interested in that, please sign up out in there. We've already got seven or eight that are signed up. We'd love to take a good crowd out there. We, Heather and I, obviously we love uh, Compact because that's where we adopted Bennett from, uh, and so we know that it's a, a wonderful ministry. We already support uh, them as a, the women's ministry supports or sponsors a child there, which is exciting. And so I'd love to have you sign up and be a part of that. There's two other things I want to mention, actually probably three, uh, just because I'm up here now. And so uh, if you are graduating or you have a graduate in your family, I would love for you to bring them to church next Sunday. Uh, high school or college, that's fine. Uh, graduate school, just everyone, you're graduating coming. Because we want to pray, we want to take the opportunity to pray and bless our graduates next week. And so bring them next Sunday so we can highlight it during service. Uh, we're not going to make them recite any poetry or anything. I just want to have the opportunity to pray for them as a church because I think uh, graduation is one of the most significant times in a person's life because it represents an entirely new phase. Whether you're graduating from from high school or graduating from college, it's something entirely new, especially for those graduating from high school. Most of the time, oftentimes they move away, and it's a big deal. When I graduated high school, uh, I moved from Dayton, Ohio to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, it's a 700, 750 miles away from home. That's a long way to be away from home, isn't it? And so graduates, it's a big decision on what to do, and so I would love to have the opportunity to pray for them next week. Uh, so if you have a graduate in your family, invite them to come with you, uh, and we'd love to pray with them. And then, the week after next, so uh, June 18th, dads, do you have it written down? What's June 18th? Father's Day, that's good, Father's Day. And uh, I heard, and I, here, here's what somebody told me. Because I, I had a video of greeting last week, and somebody told me that when I started talking, and they heard the words, donut bacon bar, they heard next crack as people looked up to see what in the world was that. So we want to have fun for dads, because, you know, here's how Mother's Day normally is. Mother's Day, they talk about how great a mom is, how special the moms are, and then Father's Day inevitably is like, dad, be a better dad. Come on, Dad, you got to work. Well, so we're going we're gonna to have two things we're going to do for dads. At the end of service, we'll have a special gift for you guys as you leave out. But also, before service, and so uh, let me emphasize, before service. So if you show up after service starts, you're going to miss the donut bacon bar. And this, those are two separate things. It's not, we're not putting bacon on top of your donut. Although, if you want, we'll have a knife out there. If you want to cut your donut in half, and make a donut bacon sandwich. Go ahead. But we're going to have a donut. The women are going, really? I'm going, and all the guys are going, yeah. Yeah, this is what we're going to do. So we'll have donuts and bacons for, is it, is it better? I mean, donuts and bacon for guys, right? That's just, so we'll have that out in the foyer before service. Please come, join us. Uh, it'd be a great opportunity. We're going to honor dads that morning, uh, and we're happy to do that. Now, I have a question for you because I just don't know. You ever, you ever get to the point where you just don't know what's the best way to do things? 
I mentioned that uh, we're going to have a town hall meeting. And I'm trying to decide, we're going to do it in July, and I'm trying to decide when is the best time to do it. So I'm, I'm, we're going to take a little poll here, an unofficial scientific, unscientific poll. Uh, and so I, I got three times in mind, a Saturday morning, a Saturday night, or a Sunday mid-afternoon. All right, those are the three times. So with a simple raise of hands, if I were to schedule something on a Saturday morning, how many think that would work great for me, a Saturday morning? What time? Probably 9 o'clock, probably 9. You know, Saturday morning. So, okay, not, not a whole lot of Saturday morning. How about Saturday evening, like a 5 o'clock kind of thing? Okay, all right, so that's a little bit more. And then how about like a Sunday 4-ish kind of thing? All right, you guys don't know either. Look at that. Look, 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 look at that. We, 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 we just don't have a good consistency. So here's, what it, here's the purpose of the meeting. Saturday night, we want to say, okay, you know, Mike's got Saturday night. So here's what we're, I want to do at the meeting. Uh, I, want to, I want to kind of, you know, I've, I've been here for three months now. I've been talking to people. I've been paying attention and uh, just kind of setting an evaluation. And so I want to have a chance to talk with the church. And think of it as a, a state of the church address where we start talking a little bit about um, what God's birthing in us as a church, the vision and the direction. And I want to be able to let you hear how I see God leading us. It's not all fully formed. It's not all fully defined. But I want to have that opportunity. So maybe we might, we might need to have more than one. Not need to have more than one. But So pay attention to that. In July, we're going to have that. So there'll be more information coming up about that to talk a little bit about where God is leading us. Because I believe that the best days for Calvary are still to come. I believe that God has a great plan for us, a great desire for us, a great vision for where we're at and who we are. That's why actually next week we're starting a new sermon series. It's called Forward, and it's going to carry us all the way through the rest of the summer, and we're going to be basing it out of the book of Nehemiah. We're going to be walking through Nehemiah this summer, and we're going to see how God moves us through vision, how God moves us forward for the kingdom, and how we can participate with what God's doing. See, that's the big thing. This is the big thing that we have to remember. God is always working. He's always working. Our job is to understand what God is doing and then to join with that. Too often times what we want to do is say, God, this is what I'm going to do, now bless it. But what we want to do as a church is we want to determine what God is doing in our church, in our community, in our area, and then we want to join that and participate with God. We don't want to try and direct God to say, this is what you need to be doing, God. This is what we want to do. We want to find out what God is doing and then participate with him. And I think he's directing us and leading us uh, in some certain ways. And so uh, we'll talk about that over the summer. We're going to be jumping into Nehemiah. It's going to be fun. But then we'll also uh, we'll have those, the uh, town hall meeting where we can just get some uh, definition to where we're going. Sound good? All right, well, this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to spend time in the book of Acts, which seems wholly appropriate since we are talking about Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is a, uh, a special day. Uh, it's, uh, the name Pentecost, it comes because it's the 50th day after the celebration of Passover, Penta. So the Pentateuch, the first five books. And so uh, it's one of... 23 celebration, celebrated festivals that the Jewish people had in the first century. So Pentecost was a big deal. It was a Jewish festival. And so that's part of the reason why when Peter gets up to speak 
on the day of Pentecost, there's so many Jews right there in Jerusalem waiting to hear because they were already in town for a celebration. We talk about the authority. We talk about the anointing. We talk about all these things. We, all, we, we talk about all sorts of things around Pentecost. And I'm excited about it. I love talking about Pentecost. Actually, that's why we're, we're doing what we're doing on Wednesday nights. On Wednesday nights, we're, we're going through that series, uh, Living in the Spirit. And when we're done, and when we have the whole website revamped, uh, we'll actually have them all posted up on the website if you haven't been able. I know a lot of people work. They can't come on Wednesday nights. And so we'll have them posted up there if you want to catch up with what we've been doing. But coming out of uh, this series of Living in the Spirit, we're going to do a series on the gifts of the Spirit. Because one of the things that Pentecostals, Pentecostals are great about is we're excited, we're enthusiastic, we love the move of the Spirit, but we're not necessarily really good about teaching about it. We're not necessarily really good about uh, going through, you know, if, how many, how, did anyone, grow, I, I know the answer to this question, how many of you grew up Catholic? Yeah? How many of you had the, what the, what, what they call the school, the classes? Catechism classes. Yeah, the catechism, yeah. Yeah, you know, my, some of our good friends, Chris and Brian Russell, they lived about five houses down uh, from us. After, after school all the time, they, the CCD is where they went, uh, and they, they went to it all the time. They, were, they, they, they had a good catechism. Well, as Pentecostals, we don't really have a catechism class, do we? And oftentimes, we don't talk through what it means to be Pentecostal. That's part of why we're doing what we're doing on Wednesday nights. We're, we're going through, and we're talking about it. Because here's one of the challenges that we have about, about, being, about being Pentecostals, is that uh, there's a lot of confusion about what it means to be Pentecostal. There's a lot of confusion about what the gifts of the Spirit are, what the Holy Spirit does, how things work. There's a lot of confusion because there's oftentimes not a lot of teaching. Because oftentimes people look at, well, I mean, listen, I've, I've, I've been in, in the circles where they refer to PhDs. You know, they don't value education in a lot of circles, a lot of Pentecostal circles. They said, you just need to let the Spirit move. Just got to let the Spirit guide you. They refer to PhDs as piled higher and deepers, right? It's, the, it's one of those things that they value, the value of education has been lost. And so a lot of times, Pentecostal churches get out of whack. And it's just, well, let me just be led by the Spirit. It sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? But it can just be chaos. And that's not biblical, is it? It's not biblical at all. That's actually one of the things I've appreciated about several of our individuals who work in prophetic ministry. They've all come and spoken to me individually about how do we flow, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. And so this morning, we're going to continue to talk about what it is to be Pentecostal, but we're going to focus on this idea of wait for it. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, they, you, you've, you, maybe you've heard this taught, that they were huddled up in this upper room, that they were hiding out, that they were scared, that they were, they were concerned about being persecuted. Jesus had been crucified. But think about it. Jesus was crucified almost 50 days before this happened. And they talk about being huddled together in this small... How many of you, when you think of the day of Pentecost, you think of this tiny little attic? The lights are... Well, there's obviously no lights. But the torches are out. The windows are drawn so that people don't see them. Have you ever had that image? I've seen it in Sunday school material where they're huddled in together, hiding, scared of what's going to happen. Well, if we look at what is said in Acts chapter 1... There's like 120 people there. They're not hiding out in a little attic. They weren't hiding 
in a little attic. They weren't scared of what was going on. They weren't worried about what they were doing. Do you know what they were doing? They were doing what Jesus told them to do in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. He said, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not, wait, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They weren't hiding. They were waiting. They were waiting for God to do something of significance. Now, waiting's hard. Is anyone really good at waiting? I'm, I'm horrible at waiting. Last night at dinner, um, Heather told me something that I think was very uh, unkind, is very unfair, uh, which if you know my wife is very unusual that she would say something that I think is mean uh, and maybe a little rude, actually. Uh, so she told me that she had an anniversary present for me that's also a graduation present, and then I have to wait six weeks for it. And I don't think that's okay. So I said, well, just tell me what it is. She goes, no, you got to wait. Again, I don't think that's okay. How many of you are with me? Yeah, it's, we're not voting. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not like looking for a vote for people to tell you you're wrong. I'm, I'm, how many of you are like me that you're not good at waiting? You're not good at waiting. When you see a package underneath the Christmas tree, you're like, all right, let me shake that thing if I can figure it out. If you... Listen, that's why we, you know, Bennett's three. He'll be four in July. We, we haven't, we don't put presents under the tree before the morning of. Why? Because that boy does not wait for anything. I'm the same way. I don't, I'm not good at waiting. You know, I walk in, there's a package. Well, let's open that. You know, it, waiting's hard. How many of you have heard some of the cliches about waiting? I wrote some down. You know, uh, a watch pot never boils, right? Right, what does it say? Wait, you know, you wait for it. Uh, good things come to those that wait. And I'm like, well, can I just have some decent things right now? Uh, you know, we talk about being boring, right? It's as boring as watching paint dry or grass grow. What, what are we talking about? Waiting. Waiting's hard. Waiting is difficult. But when we look at what Jesus told them to do, Jesus basically told them to do something that we're not really good at. Jesus said, but wait for the gift my Father promised. Now, here's, here's the great thing for the disciples at this point. They would believe Jesus for anything. Think of where they're at. This was after Jesus had been raised from the dead. So they watched him be crucified. They had walked around with him. They had seen him do miracles. They had watched him be crucified, and here he was, risen from the dead. And he said, now I've got something even better for you. Man. So would, where would you have been if you were the, one of the disciples? Would you have been waiting or would you have been hiding? Hopefully you would have been waiting. Would you have lost your patience? Would you have stuck around? See, this is a hard thing in life, isn't it? Waiting. Waiting's hard. You know why it's hard? Because when you're waiting for something to happen, you're not really sure if it's going to happen or not. We're not good at being patient, are we? But here are the disciples. They've seen all of these amazing things that Jesus had done. 
They've seen all, they, they, they watched Jesus. Man. He said, wait for them. And he continued on. Actually, verse 7, he said, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the date the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power. This is a favorite verse for Pentecostal, isn't it? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. If Jesus had stood in front of you and said, wait for the promise, and then you watched him ascend into heaven, boy, that would be a lot easier to wait, wouldn't it, at that point? All right, so I really just saw that miracle there, so I think I can trust the dude. But here's the problem we have. None of us saw Jesus ascend into heaven, did we? How many of you have been in your life waiting for something? You say, God, when is this going to happen? Jesus, I've been praying about this for years. When is this going to happen? And what happens after a month of praying? Well, you pray again. Two months, a year, two years, three years. There start, comes a point where you kind of go, man, maybe, it, maybe I just need to give up. Maybe I just need to quit. Maybe I just need to stop. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about waiting. has a lot to say about waiting. I've got a lot of verses that I've, I've, I've pulled out about waiting. I was, I was thinking this morning uh, of how to share waiting, and I got to thinking about Jacob. Jacob wanted to marry one sister. So I'll work for seven years. Did he get the sister he wanted after seven years? No. So what did he say? Did he give up? It worked another seven years. Can you imagine waiting for something for 14 years? Do you think he was disappointed with Leah? Do you think he was disappointed when he didn't get the prize that he thought he was waiting for after seven years? I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. You know, when we look at some of the verses in the Bible, I wrote them down here so I don't have to keep on flipping back and forth. I think my favorite one, is Isaiah 40, verses 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. How many of you have heard it? Those that wait on the Lord. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagle. They will grow, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Psalm 130, verse 6, it says, My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. Psalm 40, verse 1, it says, I wait patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. King David in Psalms, he said, But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Isaiah, 
He said, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. The prophet Micah, he said, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. Waiting is hard, isn't it? There's plenty of verses about it. And for those that were in the upper room waiting for Jesus' promise, it may have been easier. Even though it had been a period of time, we're not talking years. We're talking weeks. They have been waiting for that promise. They've been waiting. But when things take a long time, what do we do? We start to question God, don't we? We start to doubt God. When we wait on God, another word that's used frequently for wait is hope. When we place our hope in God, when we wait for God to show his faithfulness, when we believe he's going to be responsive to our request, when we pause and believe he is going to do something, what happens? We're strengthened. We're encouraged. When do we begin to lose hope? We begin to lose hope when we start focusing on what we don't have. We begin to lose hope when we start focusing on what other people do have. When we take our eyes off of what God has promised us, we begin to lose hope. And when we lose hope, what do we do? We're going to solve it on our own. We're going to fix this problem by ourselves. But here's the beautiful thing from the day of Pentecost. Wait for the gift my Father promised. The gift was the Holy Spirit. Verse one, in chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They waited for the promise. And then Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the promise was fulfilled. The promise was fulfilled. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And look what happened when they waited. The promise was fulfilled. And look what happened. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who speak Galileans? Then how is it that they, each of us hears them in our own native language? Jumping down, some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. 
And here's what Peter said in verse 14. Then Peter said, stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, I just said that the wait for the promise that Jesus gave wasn't very long. But it was actually thousands of years, wasn't it? By the prophet Joel in verse 17. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And as he was preaching, we know that 3,000, verse 41 it says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to that day. 3,000. Because they waited for the promise that God had given them. They waited. The blessing, the promise was the gift, but the blessing came through the waiting. Do you think there were probably some that didn't stick around? Because we've all had that in our lives. You've had people tell you, give up. Stop praying about it. God's not hearing you. Where's your faith, really? Seriously, what are you doing? If you prayed about it this long, why do you think God's going to do something about it now? How many do you think were waiting for the prophet's Joel's prophecy to come true? And that day, thousands saw it come true. To pass. This is the challenge of the Christian life is that oftentimes people want to tell you to give up. Stop believing. Because it doesn't make sense. If you don't have faith in God, prayer just is confusing. They think of it as just meditation where we're centering ourselves or calming our mind or that's not what prayer is. Prayer is coming into the very throne of God and saying, Lord, I know you are able and willing and you can. I've seen your promises come to pass and I will wait. I will place my hope in you. I will place my hope. The blessing on the church that day, which we, day of Pentecost, day of Pentecost we call the birth of the church, the blessing that came that day came because they were willing to wait on God. They were willing to wait. John Ortberg, he says this, Biblically, waiting is not just something we do until we get what we want. Waiting 
is part of the process of becoming who God wants us to be.